Is it bad that when someone talks about sex, almost immediately my head is filled with song lyrics? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about it. Feels like the first time. Whatever you think of when you think of sex, you are not the only one, trust me. This is the first in a three-part series about sex and womanhood. Whether you're waiting to have sex, you're not waiting to have sex, or you're not really sure what you're doing, we're going to talk about all of it in this series. But today's topic, am I the only one who's struggling to wait? And is it worth it? Welcome to season two of the non-exclusive podcast. Stories that remind you, you're not the only one. Hosted by Reby and Candice. Hey, Candace and I realize that our stories might be very, very different than yours. Even if waiting is not part of your story, this episode can still be for you. We talk a lot about grace, about finding a true relationship with God. We talk about finding the reasons why you're living your life the way you're living it. Those apply to everyone. And if nothing else, this is going to give you a look into the brain of two girls who grew up with the idea that they were going to wait for marriage. What does that look like? That's what we're exploring today. And remember that regardless of your experience with sex, you are not the only one. And our goal is to talk about it and to start those conversations and get you out of that isolation. Second of all, the next episode in this three-part series on sex, our friend Lauren is the guest. Her story is so different than ours, but her journey to walking in grace and freedom is so beautiful. She's so real, so honest, and it might be just what you're looking for if your story looks really different than mine or Candace's. So watch for that episode in two weeks, but for now, let's talk about waiting. So yeah, for me, it was always known in our house that our parents waited to have sex till they were married, so it was really normal. I I mean, they didn't tell us when we were like tiny, but From like the age we knew or maybe we're asking questions like we knew that that was what our parents did. And so for me, it just seemed normal to wait. There was no real question because they did it. I was going to do it, you know, for sure. This topic was never taboo in my house. We did the mother daughter weekend where I got the whole rundown. What was happening? I had a purity ring. I actually had two purity rings because I went to a youth conference and got another one. My mom gave me one. (laughs) But I really appreciate that my mom was always really open and honest about it. It wasn't like this information dump all at once in our house. The conversation when it came up was always very age appropriate and was always very frank. Like, it wasn't like there was something left unknown if a question arose. And half the time I was like, okay, mom, oh my gosh, like, I know, I don't want to talk about this. But then secretly I would walk away and think, man, I am so glad she told me that because I had no (laughs) idea that that's how that worked or whatever it was. Because for me, it looked a little bit more like, I know, I am sure that my parents had a conversation with me because they talked about everything. But for some reason, that is not in my brain. But what I do remember is sex ed in school. And that gave me like the details, you know, like the really factual facts. Then when you start to see your peers or hear about your peers having sex, and unfortunately, I started hearing about that when I was in like seventh grade. And of course, little old Candace is over here like, oh gosh, what are they talking about? 
like kind of freaking out, like, no way. Like, I don't even know how to hold a boy's hand, let alone actually have sex. Like, that was a mind blow for me. And I remember one story. This is crazy. Like, I remember having a sleepover with my best friend. And somehow, I don't know, because we didn't talk about this stuff normally, we started talking about sex. And we were trying to figure out why all of our friends and why in the media or in the movies we were watching, there was this like idea that it should be big and that should be a thing. (laughs) And then that it hurt (laughs) a lot to have sex. And so then we were trying to figure out, well, why would people want that thing to be big if it's going to cause them more pain. Great and question. It was, yeah, you know, like the 14 year old Candace and her best friend's mind were like blown. We couldn't figure it out. We were like, why is this a thing? You know, but that was not something I was going to walk up and ask my mom about. I probably could have and she would have been fine, but I couldn't because I was like, oh, so, gosh. No. So you talked to your friends about it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because my friends were really open because I went to public school and I mean, I remember here we'll go down like memory lane here today. But I remember being in the locker room and I was in a dance class my sophomore year in high school and we did a dance routine to a Missy Elliott song called Get Your Freak On. How did I not realize that was about sex? I don't know. But I was really naive, apparently. But I remember going into the locker room, and some of my friends were playing it in the locker room. And I actually stopped and listened to the words, and I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is about, oh, my gosh, and just freaking out. And then standing there listening to my friends talk about their actual experience with those things that the song was talking about. So as much as I didn't participate generally, I heard a lot. And so I could ask a lot of questions. But that was eye-opening to me because... Oh, for sure. I just, I didn't... I mean, I just wanted to have a crush on a boy and hold his hand. (laughs) You know, like that was my innocent mindset. But... That was not what my friends were doing, you know? Yeah. Now, if your story's different than mine, you're going to be like, oh, my word, sheltered little Rebe. And maybe that was true. But I really didn't talk to my friends about it. I wasn't in school. My parents schooled us at home or we did uh, like some college classes in high school, actually. Like it was very different from a general school setting. And so I I don't remember really hearing peers talk about sex until junior or senior year of high school. And even then, it was just like little tiny pieces here and there. So the fact that my mom would talk to us about it, just sometimes, it's not like she was talking about it 24-7. But I mean, shout out to my parents and the Holy Spirit, because basically, I did get this really healthy understanding of sex, that there was a design for it, and there was a reason to wait. But... Also, it was a really good thing. The best way to sum it up is that I always tell the story that my mom told us all the time that she would buy us a bikini when we got married. Like, we were not allowed to wear bikinis growing up. My parents were reasonable, but they had some of these standards like no bikinis that, you know, they wanted us to be modest. They wanted us to be appropriate, all that stuff. So weren't allowed to wear the bikinis. But by Jingo, when you get married, we are buying you a bikini. <laughs> like, it was so clear that there's a time and place for this. But when the time and place happens, we're going to celebrate it. Your body is not bad. Sex is not bad. Yeah. It's okay. And as I got older, I started to realize that a lot of my friends who grew up in the church did not have the same 
experience. And I know you didn't have a totally unhealthy view of sex, but that experience is very different than mine. And then I hear some people talk about how even in church, they were just taught that it was bad or just taught not to do it. Mm -hmm. And they totally missed the part about, oh, this is good. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) You know, like sex is supposed to be great. Like they missed that somewhere. Yeah. In my youth group, like it was it was just frowned upon. Um, I think my family, that was different. But in my youth group, it was like, you just don't do it. There was there there was and had been people who had had sex and gotten pregnant or had other consequences that came with that. And so I think there was a big like fear in our in our youth group that like if they didn't teach those very strict black and white things that we were going to all have sex and have babies <laughs> and all of that stuff, yeah. you know, like, and I of mean, of course, it's important to tell, you know, teenagers or people in your church, hey, this is not the best way. But then I feel like we so often have missed the here's why part. Yeah. And that's why Candace and I wanted to do this episode, because We've both grown up this way and with this expectation and decision to wait to have sex for marriage. But we're adults now. Like, newsflash, sometimes waiting gets hard. And sometimes you wake up for a moment and you're like, wait, why am I doing this? And if you don't have that foundation, if you don't have the reason, then it can get kind of dicey. I did all the good Christian girl things. Went to one of those girls' weekends or teas with my mom, got a promise ring, which I spent way too long picking out. Went to conferences and youth group where they talked about the pink paper sticking to the blue paper and never being the same again. I was on board with waiting. I wanted to be good and right so my love story would be perfect. I was the girl who said, wouldn't it be romantic if the first guy I kissed was the only guy I kissed? Oh, if I could tell 14-year-old Candace that God would hold her to that and she would still be waiting for her first kiss at 32, yikes. Yes, I made that promise and choice to wait to have sex till I was married. But at the time, I was positive that I would be married by 21 at the latest. I mean, that was my parents' story, so it just sounded perfect to me. But then 21 came and went. Then 22 23, 24, 25, 26. Wait, this was not part of the plan, God. Around year 26, I hit a time in my life where, to be completely honest with you, I was angry at God. Even though I went to church and from the outside still did all the quote-unquote right things, I internally stopped talking to God and stopped caring. I felt like he hadn't kept his end of the deal, I had done everything right, so where was my love story? Let me stop here and tell you a little something about myself. I'm a type 1 on the Enneagram personality test. If that sounds like I'm speaking gibberish and you have no idea what the heck that means, it means I'm a perfectionist. A type 1 believes she must be good and right to be worthy. Okay, so now that you know a little bit more about me, you can get a better understanding of how I can get to this place where I think... If I do everything right, God will bring me my husband and make my plan happen. I mean, I was a missionary for three years. I read my Bible. I served in Sunday school since, I mean, I was old enough to hold a baby. I didn't do drugs. I didn't have sex. I tried to do everything right, hoping that it would earn me a husband. 
I know. All my hope was in that one thing. If you go back to season one, episode one, you can hear my story about how God drastically changed that mindset. And here's where judgy little Candace comes out. Here I was doing everything right, no husband. Well, so many of my friends did the opposite. They dated, they partied, they had sex, and still got married. How is this possible? Not fair, God. I was angry. See, I told you I was being a little judgy back then. At this point, I decided I didn't care anymore about waiting. Apparently, I had been waiting for nothing. And if everyone else got what I wanted by doing whatever their hearts desired, I guess I would try that too. I started hanging out with different friends, not Christian friends. I got all dressed up, cleavage out, ready to drink. With the idea that if some guy showed interest in me, I wouldn't overthink it. I would just go with it. I would try kissing a guy if it was ever an option, and I wouldn't care if he wasn't going to be my husband. Okay, now we have to rewind for a sec. When I was a very little girl, my dad was praying for me, and God told him that he was covering me, that I would be protected and covered until the time when my husband was able to see me. This was meant for my dad, so he would know that God had protected me and he didn't need to worry. I didn't hear about this until I was much older, but at 26, I didn't care. I probably should have put two and two together that if guys hadn't seen me up until this point, they probably weren't gonna see me even if I decided I was mad and wanted to kiss a boy out of spite. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. It didn't matter how mad I was or how much I rebelled, I was never seen. I never even got the opportunity to break my commitment. So what changed between then and now? I found my why. I was angry at God for a few years, but really my rebellious phase only lasted about six months. It's not like a switch flipped and it was over, but gradually God brought me back to a healthy community. He brought me some amazing people who came into my life at just the right time, like my friends, Petey and Noelle. You've probably heard me talk about them in season one. I had prayed for friends who were not overly religious, but who loved God and were seeking him, but were normal. Petey and Noelle were part of that answer. Seeing how much they loved God, but were also normal, fun people, helped me realize that even though I had changed, God never will. His plan for me is great, and it's never going to look exactly like someone else's. He loves me, and this anger isn't what he wants for me. He is covering me intentionally, and what he has for me is far greater than what I was settling for in my head. My actual relationship with God grew. Waiting for romance, marriage, and sex started to look completely different. I started to see it as something I did because I love God, I have relationship with Him, and I actually want to do what He asks me because He loves me and I love Him. I am not waiting because it's the good Christian thing to do. It's not a card I play to show how quote-unquote Christian I am. It's because I trust He wants what's best for me. And this, again, leads me back to episode one, season one. This was a big one for me. It's all about my journey with singleness and how at 32, I am still waiting. 
Yes, I've learned a lot and I'm confident in these decisions, but waiting is still hard. I want to meet a guy. I want to have my first kiss. To be married, I want to have sex. But God has been kind in showing me how much he does for me right now. And you know what? I know that time will come and it will be amazing. But for now, I'll wait. so excited to meet the guy that I'm going to marry. But I'm also really aware that right now when I'm single, it's way easier to say that I'm going to wait because there's no one to have sex with. But when he shows up and he's there, it's going to get harder. So I know that my relationship with God is so, so valuable to figure out now when it's just me. It's so true. As someone who had a similar story to yours and waited and then all of a sudden there was a guy that was serious. That relationship and that why becomes even more important and there are definitely some surprises. I never thought I would be talking to you about making out. Yet here I am. Welcome to my story. (laughs) I apologize in advance to my dad and my father-in-law, both of whom listen to this podcast on occasion. I don't mean to be awkward. In fact, I hope this makes you a little proud in a weird way because we did it. We waited just like you wanted us to. But dang it, it was hard. As women who want to wait for marriage, I think it's helpful to talk about what this really looks like. When I was dating, I would have appreciated this conversation and grown from hearing this perspective, so here we go. You need to hear about the first time I ever held hands with a guy. It was our second official date on a crisp January morning. I was 23. Yes, you heard me right, 23 years old, basically a unicorn by today's standards and totally cool with that, but we got coffee and strolled around my favorite part of town. He didn't have gloves and our hands were really cold. So hand holding did not last long. And we quickly discovered that the cute holding onto his arm thing also doesn't work well when in reality, you both just want to keep your hands warm in your coat pockets. It was a comical trial and error of tangled arms and numb fingers, but we got the hang of it no problem after a couple dates. And yes, this is the guy I eventually married. I tell you this so you can get the idea. I waited. (laughs) And honestly, it was never that hard for me. In high school and college, I went on dates, but was never in a serious relationship. I hoped to be married someday. I looked forward to romance, but life was full of exciting adventures and fun pursuits in the present. For the most part, I focused on those things. When I finally started dating my husband, this was for real. I wouldn't have dated him if I didn't see us in a long-term relationship. I fell in love very quickly. Back to that whole being a unicorn thing. Yeah, we didn't even kiss until a few months in. And honestly, that was kind of intentional. I knew that if I kissed him, I would only feel even more in love and more connected to him, which is the point, I guess, right? I believe God created physical closeness as a really great gift that should match emotional and spiritual commitment and closeness. See, that's where a lot of my why comes from. 
when you have faith and a relationship with God, you start to learn about what he was really up to when creating things like sex and relationships. I believe God designed marriage and sex as a reflection of his love for us. Crazy, right? Our deepest desires are to be fully known and accepted unconditionally for who we are. Sex and marriage are a gift to be enjoyed that while not totally fulfilling that need, it points us to a God who can fulfill it. There's a lot to unpack there, but that's the gist of my why when it comes to waiting. What surprised me was how hazy this why got towards the end of our dating relationship. I honestly don't regret kissing him. So don't hear me saying that all kissing before marriage is bad because I am not one of those people, trust me. But I don't think it should be taken lightly either. Once we kissed, it was way easier to justify small changes to our already in place boundaries. Conversations about those boundaries became more frequent. Every so often, one of us would have to literally apologize to the other for disrespecting the boundaries and then taking us as a couple down with that decision. Before I knew it, I found myself having thoughts that didn't sound like rational Reby. Thoughts like, well, I've never even kissed anyone in my life, so I'm fine. Or other people have done way more than this, so we're still totally in the clear. I'm so in love and just want our physical connection to match our emotional connection. Is that so wrong? I'm totally going to marry him anyway, so eventually none of this will matter, right? Wow, how did I get there? Those are the very phrases I would have advised against believing. Measuring my mistakes by the mistakes of others missed the point entirely and easily became a holier-than-thou kind of attitude. Healthy choices in the past don't justify an unhealthy choice in the present. And yes, the relationship was heading toward marriage, but no commitment had been made. I was mentally jumping the gun. When I actually took a step back and realized this, I was shocked. This was actually really hard. The side effect that was even more surprising to me was how my own emotional health and trust in our relationship quickly got wrapped up in our physical relationship. This is the part I honestly don't like talking about because I'm afraid it makes us look bad. But this is the part that my friends and the podcasts and videos that I was listening to didn't really talk about. So that's why I'm talking about it. I hope it makes sense. Thankfully, our why stayed intact throughout, but because we had crossed a few boundaries, it amplified my impatience to get engaged. It amplified irrational thoughts that questioned how committed he was to our relationship. This was only for a season, thankfully, but it really surprised me. The idea that waiting for marriage is a way to protect and maintain your emotional and spiritual health is completely true. We had to work through these emotions and had some really frustrating conversations, but ultimately we came out on the other side and we learned a lot about each other from it. And let me reiterate, we did not have sex. We kept many boundaries intact and had a healthy relationship. And yet I still struggled with these feelings for a time. If you have crossed lines you didn't mean to in this area, please know you're not the only one. There is forgiveness and grace, and you do not have to continue living in that same emotional place. This is where I heavily leaned back on my reason why. On my relationship with God, on what I trusted to be true about his character and his design. This is why I'm telling you my story. I just wanted you to hear it from a real live girl who waited and struggled that God was right when he asked us to wait. He knows what he's talking about in all things, including on this one. 
If you're dating and struggling to wait, you're not alone here. I want you to know, it is possible to abruptly get off the couch, say goodnight, and leave your boyfriend's apartment at 8 p.m. We all know that the temptation gets real, and these abrupt moments can get awkward and so annoying, but it's truly worth it. I want you to know it is so important to keep those lines of communication open when it comes to your physical boundaries. You and your boyfriend or fiance are a team, so wait together. And yes, I did say fiance. This is just more of the same when you're engaged, maybe even harder, but it still applies. Honestly though, when you're engaged, there's an end date in sight. So if that's you, focus on that end date. I want you to know it is possible to backtrack. If you've crossed some lines you didn't want to, you don't have to cross them again. There is forgiveness and grace and learning. I want you to know it is worth it to stick it out. Hang in there. Your relational, emotional, and spiritual health will thank you. I want you to know it is not by your own strength that this will happen. The Holy Spirit will give you strength, conviction, and resolve, even when you just want to cuddle up with your guy at night and you forget the word resolve was even in your vocabulary. Ask God to help you. Purposely remind yourself of your why each day. He is with you in every single moment. I'm so glad we waited. The struggle reminded us we are human and that we have to trust and rely on God. The waiting made us stronger, healthier as people, and better as a team. If you and your boyfriend or fiance are waiting or are thinking about waiting, I want you to know it is possible and it is worth it. God designed this part of life to be something wonderful. Don't believe the lie that it doesn't matter. Don't believe the lie that waiting is too hard. Don't believe the lie that because you've failed in one area, that God can't give you the grace and the strength to move forward and still have a beautiful story that loves and honors him. You got this. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 30, verse 5.